Welcome to Season 3 of the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. I'm Kelly Dean, physical therapist and founder of the Tummy Team. I'm excited to share with you the stories of clients and professionals on their personal, functional core and pelvic floor rehab journeys, as well as so much more. We're passionate about helping you be strong for the life you were meant to live. Welcome back to the Tummy Team Journey Podcast. This is Kelly Dean. I am your host, and I am the founder and physical therapist with the Tummy Team. I'm really excited to share a testimony today or a story, a Tummy Team Journey today with one of our clients, Megan. Megan is an online client that has uh, gone through, I think, more than one of our courses. I'm going to wait and let her tell you that. Um, And she's here to tell us your story. So thanks, Megan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much, Kelly. Uh, yeah, I have done several courses, actually. Um, I originally found you all through fit to be of course, Beth is an amazing, amazing advocate um, sharing about pelvic floor physical therapy and especially what you guys are able to do. Most people don't realize how much you can do through online physical therapy. Uh, they think, you know, it, it can't quite uh, get results, but I will tell you what. <laughs> I've experienced it, but, um, yeah, I started originally doing the floor of your core because I was doing fit to be, and I just kind of plateaued with, uh, what kind of progress I could make with my diastases because I had had a separation since 2006 when I had my oldest and this was 10 years later in 2016 and nobody had been able to tell me, uh, what it was pretty much. No one had been able to, um, really speak to it other than mommy tummy. Oh, it's vanity. What were your symptoms? symptoms? Like other than just a poochy tummy, do you remember kind of what you were feeling? Oh, absolutely. Um, the epic hallmark, every time I would sneeze or laugh, I would just pee myself uncontrollably. <laughs> there was a big one, uh, lower back pain when I was pregnant because I, I had seven children in 15 years. Um, I would get that crazy big torpedo belly. <laughs> um, and I had, you know, the, the even the really more personal things like the pain with intimacy and things that people just kind of think it's the way your body's changed after you had a baby and it's just how life is now. You kind of grin and bear it. And I didn't realize all those things were connected. I really thought, you know, everyone was telling me that the tummy was a vanity thing and, oh yeah, it's just normal. You pee yourself when you sneeze now. And so sad that that is commonplace what everybody thinks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's just what it is. I mean, even the marketing that I see now in ads online for poise pads and things are like, oh, well, it's just a thing. You lift your children in the air and you pee yourself now. That's how it is. And look at all these (laughs) products that look cute and look like real underwear. And and yeah, I see that marketing, too. And I'm like, oh, well, thankfully, there's something, some, some attention being drawn to it. But is it the right attention? It it really yeah. does feel like okay. I I mean, when when people say, "Is this really that big of an issue?" I was like, just walk walk down that aisle at you know Walmart yeah. and see yeah. how many products are available. Absolutely, uh, it it's it is it is eye opening for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How many kids 
did you, when you found us, you said it was 10 years into like motherhood for you. How many kids had you had at that time? So I had, I was pregnant with my sixth when I found out about fit to be. And when I got clearance from my uh, midwife to exercise when he was six weeks old, uh, I gave it a try. And that's when I started hearing about all the things, including the tummy team. And about six months in is when I uh, tried the tummy team, the floor of your core first. Yeah. So yeah, I had had six kids. So <laughs> my pal, and they were all, um, well, my smallest was eight eleven, and okay. my biggest was 10 and a half pounds. And most yeah. of them were uh, over nine pounds. So my pelvic floor had been through the ringer <laughs> with very little care and attention in between babies. And even though like so many of your, the most obvious symptoms or most annoying symptoms were pelvic floor symptoms, y- you know, you had a diastasis and, and yeah. were you ever checked by your midwife? Were you ever checked for a diastasis? Did you not learn about it until you started with fit to be? How did you understand even anything about diastasis recti? I had never been checked and I had an incredible holistic midwife. She was amazing. Like she was so thorough in every other area that to this day, it kind of pains me that that's not something that she knew about back then. Thankfully she does now it's standard procedure. Every postpartum checkup, she checks mama's for diastases and stuff. So the the education is definitely coming along, but back in 2006, 2008, 2010, every other year after that, when I was having babies, she hadn't, that wasn't on anybody's radar until I had my fourth. Um, He was posterior, uh, which means he's just turned in a less than ideal position uh, for delivery. So the head is coming down in a way that doesn't quite fit in the pelvic opening. And I was really having to push so much harder and so much longer than I had with my other kids. Uh, and he was my fourth and I already had pelvic floor issues and I already had a diastasis. But after he was born, it was bad. It was really bad. And I got medical attention. I went to my regular MD and he basically said, um, yeah, this is what it is. It's uh, diastasis recti and I mean, when you're done having kids come in, we'll sew you up and you'll be good. But you have to be done having kids first. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I'm 28. I'm not ready to call it quits. Um, And I just felt like I wasn't, I wasn't really ready for that permanent change in my life. So I felt like that meant I couldn't do anything to take care of myself because that was the only option I had been given. And I had tried so many exercise programs, so many, and just, I mean, honestly, I can look back now and see that I really abused my body for so many years, trying to beat it into submission and make it, because I I was a collegiate athlete. I was a very active, strong person through the birth of my first. I mean, when I had my second, I was out with a double stroller jogging. (laughs) I was was really trying hard, but at that point, I honestly gave up. It's a mentality with athletes um, to remember like, oh, when I was in the best shape of my life, this is what I asked of my body and this is how it performed. So that would make sense that that's what I need to do now. And I think Mm -hmm. when we're in a place of identifying weakness, our first instinct is fitness. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, I'm weak. I need to exercise. And that's not necessarily completely wrong. 
but yeah. it's what kind of exercise. And I think we just overlook and skip the step of rehab. I think our culture, I, when you think about it, really think about it, you think, how could we expect these huge transformative things to happen and not think we should do some rehabilitation for, yeah. for the recovery of it, for the recovery of every birth? How is that not standard of care that everybody that's had a birth, vaginal or C-section, everybody mm-hmm. that's gone through a pregnancy should have some form of rehabilitation, maybe not months and months. It doesn't take months right. and months. You know, a little bit would go a long way if it was the right things in the right moments. Um, so with the best intentions, so many of us, I was right there with you doing tons and tons of crunches and sit-ups, <laughs> crunches and sit-ups, yeah. crunches. And honestly, I tell I tell this story so much that I was like, I literally went from a six-finger wide diastasis to a three-finger wide diastasis just by stopping doing the crunches. The crunches were keeping me open and pushing me open. And I was like, oh my gosh, just stopping doing the thing that I thought was helping me got me halfway through the healing process. (laughs) You know, it just comes down to education and people want to fix this, want to feel better and even don't even know what it is. Like, like you said, you thought Mm -hmm. it was just like a poochie belly. You thought it was just like, this is what happens. But when people realize, oh, there was actually a medical condition where my abdominal wall is stretched out and the two Mm -hmm. sides are not connected. So yes, things are not working properly. How do I repair that and then strengthen it? You know? And Fitzpatrick does a great job because she is very diastic. She's not going to do fitness that's going to make it worse. But, and sometimes people get better because they're just doing the right types of fitness, but still rehab is often the missing component for that fitness to get really where it needs to be. And so I'm so glad that you kind of found that next step and didn't feel like there was no way, right? Like didn't feel like, even though you kind of got that impression from the doctor, well, surgery is the option, or we never even looked at that, or this is kind of how it is. There was something in you that wasn't willing to give up, right? That was still like an answer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. After my fourth, I just kind of had accepted like, you know, okay, so when I'm done having kids, I get stitched up. But I absolutely was looking. I mean, I remember reading about the the grades of pelvic organ prolapse and trying to figure out what exactly was going on with me and what I could do. So I was like, I felt like resigned to kind of being broken. But I was definitely looking, which is what led me to fit to be. And you're absolutely right. I I made so much progress. And I feel like the progress I made with them is what made me finally say, okay, maybe this can help me. And I tried the tummy team and it really, the floor of your core did so much. And I, I'm, I'm a doula. I've been a doula for the better part of a decade and So I've been working with women uh, and families, especially pregnant women and postpartum women. And I just, I've seen so much in addition to what I've experienced. And I just, I felt like there had to be something more that I could do that we could do that hope that I could give them, you know, because so many people don't have the tons of money to spend on private, uh, the private programs that are available in my area, which there are a couple, they're not very accessible. They're not very affordable. And I, 
I felt like I was so educated, I guess, going into the floor of your core that I I kind of thought I I know so much about female anatomy and the birth process and the pelvic floor, like surely, but I'm going to give it a try because it has, you know, great reviews and Beth is clearly a professional who highly promotes it. So I tried it and I remember, I can't remember if it was week two or three, I'm sure you know, but the week where you sit on you, you put your hands under your sits bones and engage your pelvic floor and try to get that connection. Like it's weird. The emotions it's bringing up in me now, but I cried. I was like, I can't feel it. I can't feel it. What is wrong with me? I know so much about female anatomy. Like I do this professionally. Why can't I feel this? And it just, it was crazy. I mean, so much that you guys talk about, about our emotions being rooted in our core. Like it was totally true. I realized how broken I felt in so many ways and it it really took me by surprise. Yeah. That disconnect. Um, that's Mm -hmm. what we say a lot. I mean, we even recently launched two courses specifically about disconnect and trauma recovery. Right. And we don't Mm -hmm. think about trauma. We don't think, Oh, but you know, a lot of births feeling like, is this going to be the birth where my organs completely fall out of my body? There's a, there's yes. a form of trauma there. So there's, there's a form of like, when, what is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back and my body can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a fear there. There's an anxiety there. There's a like, a kind of like me against my body kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I, I can, you know, instead of partnering with our body and going, oh, how can I support my body? How can I nurture it? How can I help it do all these things that I want to do as a woman, as a wife, as a mom, you know? And it, I think that that is one of the biggest things that people come back and say, I had no idea how much my emotions were connected to all of this. Oh yeah, absolutely. And when I made that connection, like that, that kind of made me a believer. I was like, okay, like I can, I can, there's so clearly so much that I can learn from this. And I finished that course and almost immediately went into core foundations because I still had the diastases. It was, it was healing, but I figured I've worked on my pelvic floor. So now I'm just going to go straight to the splinting and the core foundations and really dig in there too. <laughs> and it helps. Most people do it in the reverse. They do core foundations yeah. first and then they do either the floor floor of the core add-on usually is what the, the yeah. normal thing is. But I get that feeling when your symptoms of pelvic floor are so loud, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to not say that's what I need to address first. When you don't realize that a lot of times the pelvic floor symptoms are actually core symptoms. Um, yes. Right. But it works both ways. You can, you can start yes. either direction. So you went to core foundations next. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the big difference for you between the two courses? Cause there's some overlap of information. Yeah. Yep. There, there's definitely overlap of information, but I felt like it kind of, for me, I mean, the pelvic floor was, it was definitely screaming the loudest for me. And I had already done so much work with my diastases with fit to be. And that when I went into core foundations, that overlap was just kind of reassurance and built on what I had already learned. And 
I really, I mean, it definitely helped. I took, I used to have a YouTube channel. I don't anymore, but I had taken pictures. I was sharing out like my wellness Wednesday. Um, and people were just blown away and they're like, surely you did something other than six weeks of this physical therapy program. And I'm like, no, no, I really just did this, this six weeks of this online physical therapy program with splinting for the first four and then weaning off. That's literally all I did. I did not change my diet in the slightest. And, um, I didn't, I didn't measure inches, but it was a very noticeable difference and it has stayed and I've had another child. <laughs> yeah. And you had another baby. Yeah. Yes. And, and yeah. As soon as I found out I was pregnant, I got the prenatal, <laughs> the prenatal programming that I will not have a torpedo belly this time. I will take better care of my body during pregnancy. <laughs> Did you carry differently? It was that pregnant. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. I, I was, I kept posting pictures on my Instagram because I've been talking basically since I found out about diastasis recti and whatnot and had been sharing kind of on my own mini soapbox to the people around me. Like, look, I've suffered for so long. You need to know what this is so that you can take better care of your body and not abuse yourself the way I have and not feel horrible about yourself the way I have. Um, and posting pictures side by side, it's, it's comical, the torpedo belly versus the much more upright belly. And even the length of my labor was different. I mean, with my last two full-term babies that I had, I had had one was a labor about 18 hours and the next one was 13 hours, nothing complicated, very straightforward. But then with my seventh, I, um, I carried so differently. I felt so differently and I was sure she was smaller. I mean, to the point that I was asking my midwives and I'm not a big intervention person. I was asking my midwives to, you know, do more checks. It's like, surely she's not growing right. My belly is never this small. Something's wrong because I have nine to 10 pound baby babies. This is, this is how my body grows them. It doesn't go overdue. I don't have diabetes and I make huge babies. What is wrong here? And my labor with her was about four hours start to finish. And she was nine pounds, 10 ounces. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I, I was love, measuring behind. With us. I would love for you to share this, yeah. especially since I do, I work with midwives and doulas mm -hmm. and um, across the board, um, there has been this pushback a little bit, this resistance to thinking that we can change fetal alignment um, that in, in that significant of a way with core preparation. And, and um, because they've seen, they see consistently like, these torpedo bellies and they see like, oh, this is just the way this woman's uterus carries. This is just the way their torso is. And they're like, well, we don't want to make shame people or make them feel bad because everybody, you know, carries in a different way. I am definitely not about shaming anybody right? Not at all, you know, <laughs> but there are muscles that hold our uterus in place. And if those muscles are not doing anything, then the uterus falls forward. When the uterus falls yes. forward into a torpedo shape, the baby is not lined up anatomically with gravity 
with the cervix. So the the labor process to push baby around a corner and down the hill is very different. I mean, this, this is not rocket science, but I think that, that midwives that have been doing this for years and years and years, it's, it's a bizarre concept until they see those real life situations. And I have another client who, you know, sent us her pictures between her fourth and fifth baby pregnancies, these dramatic pictures, right? And they go viral every time we, we post them. And everybody's like, yeah. what is this, right? Because they, they can't realize that this is the same mom, like for you, between six yeah. and seven. You think at seven, can we really change things? Right? <laughs> yes, we can, because the body... Yeah build strength. Our bodies a use it or lose it system. So the more we use the muscle, the stronger it is. And mm-hmm. the core muscles are not bathing suit, you know, model muscles. Yeah. They're actually structural muscles that hold our organs in. So, yes. and postural muscles. So when we build those muscles, this is why I tell people in their 80s, yes, you can still build strength. You can build strength. Your body is a use it or lose it. It's never too late. And so yes. to see that is going to be great. I, I'm excited to share those pictures, yes. get those pictures from you. Um, oh, but- and it's totally true. When I, I mean, with my last two, before my seventh, um, when I hadn't done anything for my pelvic floor diastases, I my body would fully dilate. Every single time my body would fully dilate and I would just have to sit and wait for the baby to descend because my body knew what to do, but my baby wasn't lined up properly. They were just floating up there because they weren't descending. And, and with my, with my sevens, she just, she was there, she was locked and loaded and labor started and she was out. Yeah. And did you, um, like we, we were, we call it prenatal core training because it's not just a series of exercises. It's some alignment work. It's some breath work. Yes. It's, it's all the stuff you do throughout your pregnancy to set you up for the optimal fetal alignment. But then we also talk to you about the delivery and the breathing and the coordination mm-hmm. between your core and your pelvic floor for the pushing phase, which nobody ever talks about. You know, everybody's just like, yeah. hold your breath bear down like the worst battle movement of your life. And I'm like, that's right. That's not good. That's not good. Um, Your sphincter's going to hate that. Yeah, that's not going to be good. Um, So why don't we work on that connection and coordination? Because the only, your core and pelvic floor have a co-contraction. They, they Mm -hmm. work together. So when the core comes in and pulls the baby up and in, the pelvic floor also lifts the baby up, which, Mm 99% 99% of the time, that is what we need to happen, right? We need everything to be yeah. held up and held together. The The 1% is when we have bowel movements and when we push a baby out. We yeah. need to work separately. And so when people aren't pooping well, telling mm-hmm. them how to poop or use that strategy for labor, not great. So we yeah. actually help you throughout your pregnancy with the coordination and disassociation for your bowel movements. So this is new muscle mm-hmm. memory. You're not learning something new in delivery and then using that strategy during the delivery because it's now muscle memory. Did Is that something, I mean, you've been working with a lot of, you've had a lot of babies. You've been working with a lot of moms. Was that yes. something that was new information for you? Different information? Did it feel different? Or was that like, ah, oh, my body had been doing something like that already? 
It was more the cognizance of it that was new, uh, because I mean, even myself and as a doula, when we uh, when we feel like a mama is really tense, uh, we have her sit on the toilet. We're like, let's right. just sit on the toilet because the pelvic floor. You've been trained since potty training to relax your pelvic floor when you're in that place. Right. So I mean, we will have them. We we call it the the throne of labor. It's, it's yeah. kind of a joke, but if you can stack pillows on the back, like if a toilet has a tank and you stack pillows and just get mom to relax her upper body and put her head down on the pillows while she's sitting on the toilet, you can almost guarantee immediate progress or baby descending because we just, we, we've been trained to relax our pelvic floors in that space. And so to be cognizant that that is what's happening is that yes, we, we can relax the pelvic floor during these intense contractions that are bringing your baby down. I, I, I've seen it in action and I've done it myself uh, because that was just part of my birth prep in the past. I called it like birth prep meditation. I would just lay in bed and listen to music and practice relaxing my pelvic floor. And just, I would say like, just let the lower half of my body melt and just melt away. And that is how I kind of trained my brain because I had so much tension with my first because of uh, trauma I had had in the past. I had a lot of trauma in that area. And so I held tension and I was afraid to let her out. And I didn't know that. Uh, So I pushed for an hour and a half with her. And I realized that. And then with my second, like all, you know, the kind of mental and emotional preparation uh, going into the birth of my second, when I was able to relax my pelvic floor, he was born in four pushes and he was two pounds bigger. Right. I right. Just, it and makes all the difference in the world to relax your pelvic floor. And so many of us don't not, understand how. It's not intuitive, especially when people are struggling with pelvic floor dysfunction, where mm-hmm. uh, they feel like um, they need to be doing constant kegels or they need to be yes. holding there because they, otherwise they'll wet their pants or they need to be holding there. Otherwise they'll have prolapse symptoms and yeah. they don't recognize um, that, that excess tension and what that mm-hmm. does. And yeah. I think when we start talking about the belly breaths and the transverse and how when we exhale, the, 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 the transverse comes up and in, and that causes that co-contraction. How do we get that core to support the uterus and allow the pelvic floor to let go? And yes. that is like patting your head and rubbing your tummy for a lot of people. It is. Yeah. And, and, so, and for a lot of people and, and then to do it in the height of labor. Yes. <laughs> um, when the, you know, that, so, so preparation you know this is mm-hmm. like if you were gonna train for a marathon you wouldn't do sit on the couch and not use the yeah. muscles and then go oh I'm gonna and you might be able to if you have a lot of adrenaline you might be able to do that marathon <laughs> but you yes. are gonna feel like crap afterwards yeah. right? but, you're gonna have some battle wounds to show <laughs> yes. and so so much of of labor can be so uh, unpredictable, right? You know, it can be a bit unpredictable, but if we can set up, set up ourselves for what we can predict and really I am, I am always looking two steps ahead for that birth recovery, right? Because the birth recovery, that's when, you know, 
a lot of times, like I said, adrenaline and, and, you know, that mama force can get those babies out. Yeah. But can we get the baby out and still be able to take care of the baby after the baby's out and not feel like mm-hmm. we're a wishbone that's just been pulled into falling apart? Yes. So tell me, yeah. tell us a little bit about your birth recovery after the last baby. Um, how has that? that- was- <laughs> I, you know, it was, it was complicated. I actually had some rare complications and, um, I almost died from hemorrhage, like really, really rare kind of stuff. And I mean, trigger warning, this isn't, you know, what everyone is going to want to hear. I, I had to be rushed to the hospital because I was bleeding to death in my bedroom after we had come home and I had doctors up to their elbows in my uterus trying to find why I wouldn't stop bleeding. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm so grateful. I'm, I truly, they, they were surprised. I was, I, I was told I was seconds away from a hysterectomy, just trying to figure out why I was bleeding. And, right. uh, they found, they said it was the size of a rare. It's rare yeah. and it's unexpected, right? Exactly. I had a similar thing after my last baby, not quite. I was still in the hospital when it happened, but Mm-hmm. There was a lot, a, a lot of unexpected, yeah. and I didn't have a complicated birth at all. Um, yeah. But this is, that's when we, we remind people birth is a huge thing. It's a yeah. huge thing. Okay, yeah. go on. Finish yeah. up. Oh, that. well, they ended up finding uh, a piece of the membrane. So basically the water bag, not, not the placenta, but the water bag, the size of a pinky nail just stuck to the inside of my uterine wall. And my uterus had just kept like basically trying to flush it out with blood for hours. And that is, that is really uncommon that that causes a hemorrhage. And, uh, it was so pretty much (laughs) once I was out of the woods, my first thought was, I can't imagine what that just did to my pelvic floor. (laughs) Like people up to their elbows in my uterus (laughs) and but, and that is why, I mean, it was, it was about three months, uh, before I could, I mean, even go for a walk out in the yard by myself. Mm-hmm. It was very difficult. And as soon as I was cleared to exercise, it took about six months, but as soon as I was cleared to exercise, I got the, uh, the tummy team membership. So I could have access to all my courses again. I was like, I'm doing the floor of your core again. Yeah. I know. I know what this can do. And I don't know how my pelvic floor could have ever been in a worse place than it is right now. And I, it has helped so much. I went back to school a year and a half ago and became a certified personal trainer. And I'm focusing on women's fitness and it is on my docket to do the Tommy team endorsement this fall when I have space in my course load, because I really truly believe like I've just, I've seen in my own body how, like what a difference. I know the lowest lows of my body and what I have been through. And I just. Like it could bring me to tears thinking about all the hopeless women I see out there and everything being an athlete since I was eight years old, like a competitive athlete, seeing the way the athletic uh, world and the fitness industry treat women's bodies and the mommy and me videos for exercise after like, I just, I watch it and I'm like, no, no. I know I cringe and I, I understand 
Uh, I understand the mentality, you know, of trying yeah. to meet women where they're at, include mm-hmm. their family, um, recognize that motherhood takes strength and part of lifting your baby is part of the weights. Yes. But there's a, there's a better way. There's a better yes. way because a lot of times if they're in that mommy and me class, they're not strong enough to exercise while holding their baby. Yes. Right. We need to exercise so we can hold our baby. <laughs> right. Yes. And, and that yes. is not, there's nothing to be ashamed of when we say that. No. This, this is a hard thing. And, and I, I, one of the terms that we have started using a lot this year, and I, based on um, some of the work that I did in the nurturing core and the core support trauma courses is, is really um, honoring our body, Mm -hmm. respecting our body, nurturing our body, you know, recognizing what our body has actually done for us and is doing for us. And how can we partner with our body? The only car you get to drive your own whole life, basically, is this car that you're living in right now, right? Like, how would you take care of that for the, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of just, you know, running it, you know, out of gas and the tires bald and just pushing, you know, you know, through power and through power and through power and through it's, it's, you know, and then being mad that the car didn't hold up, you know, it's yeah. like we, we have, we have to shift gears a little bit and I see it happening. I see it happening in the post COVID post pandemic self-care movement, mindfulness, mm-hmm. movement, the, the mental health component that has been really brought up, brought up. I I'm hoping it shifts into how we are taking care of our 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 bodies our vessel so to speak yeah and I love that you're a part of that (laughs) I I felt like I couldn't not I I mean I have always been very passionate about it I wanted to do this kind of work when I was a teenager I just I became a teacher and a mommy instead Mm -hmm. but it just felt like being a mommy are prerequisites for this work so you're you're already (laughs) like way ahead (laughs) yes absolutely but I just I felt like I working with women as a doula, I saw so many women, uh, just everything they went through and their postpartum recovery and how the fitness world is teaching them. And it just, I felt like I can't not like it goes hand in hand with my doula work is then when you're ready to exercise, let's, and I use that word all the time, nurture that you brought up. I, I'm not about beating my body into submission. I am not about, the, you know, it's leg day and tomorrow I can't walk. I am about like building strength. I really hate it. I, have I hate it so much. I don't get a day off from my, from right? my life tomorrow. I have to right? walk tomorrow. <laughs> I can't just sit on a foam roller all day. I can't, I can't do that to my legs. And have you, I have you done our core smart fitness transition course. I haven't done that yet. I'm working on the courses I have in my membership. <laughs> I you, you I think you will uh I think that that you would would really appreciate the approach there, especially with awesome. where, the training you're doing now. Anyway, yeah. um I that the feedback from that course has been really fun for me to hear cuz awesome. I I have always just sent everybody back to Beth and I still do, back to Beth at Fit yeah. to Be. But there are there is a transition that most and many of my clients feel like they needed um, before yeah. they 
kind of dumped, jumped into the deep end of the pool with Beth, you know? Um, And so this, uh, the mentality behind that course um, is very much getting people moving again and changing how they Mm -hmm. think about fitness. I think it's very surprising for people just like the people that responded to you. Seriously, that's all you did was this six week course. Yes. And more about the course where it's basically posture, breathing, <laughs> you know, rubbing your tummy. Right. Can you imagine? Four shots <laughs> at how yeah. effective it is. I think us recognizing that honoring our body, respecting our body and doing small things the right way for the, with the right intention and the consistency of it makes such a huge, huge progress. We don't have to have a leg day to the point where we can't walk yes. the next day. You know, we don't yes. have to do it that way. Yeah, I have. I think the one thing that I crack up about every single time with my new clients is when I teach them how to engage their core and teach them basically do that at the hardest part of whatever we're doing. So if we're doing a row when you pull back, also engage and pull back your belly button Mm -hmm. and every single time, like, Oh my goodness, that they're shocked at how much ab work they get by working their arms. (laughs) Really, you know, standing straight and tall shoulders back, engaging your core to prepare for the hardest part of that Mm -hmm. resistance movement we're doing. They, I have yet to need to do a crunch with a single client because they get such incredible uh, core workout by basically working the whole rest of their body and being mindful that they are engaging their core and pelvic floor with every single thing that they do. Which is honestly, if you think about how our body was designed for real life, that's mm-hmm. what it was designed for. The core yeah. and the pelvic floor are structural respiratory postural muscles, right? Yes. And, and so that's what they were designed for. They're designed for you know, walking through the garden and picking apples, right? You know, like that's that's what we what we're what we're doing. And you know, when you look at like the traditional crunch work and plank work that's out there, mm-hmm. what do we do in our real life? In real life, not in another exercise that simulates those movements. Oh, yes. Oh, this morning when I was working, one of my clients is an 83-year-old woman. So when you were talking about, you know, older people building strength, I was cracking up thinking about this woman. I had her, I mean, she has arthritis in her hands, but I was teaching her how to hold the eight-pound medicine ball, engage her core, and just basically set the ball down on one side, lift it, set it down on the other side. And after about three repetitions, she looked at me and said, I do this in my garden all day. I was just laughing. I was like, you do, you absolutely do. And now you will do it stronger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's how we're doing it. Right. Yes. Yeah. In a way yeah. that your back doesn't hurt and you can still do all the gardening you love to do. Yes, exactly. Home. Even when you're 83 years old, Even when you're 83, especially when you're 83 years old. Yes. You know? That's what she's doing. She's retired. She is gardening and spending time with her grandkids. Right. That might be the only time my garden looks good, right? It's <laughs> It'll be weed free when I'm 83 like Connie, I'm sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I love it. 
All right. Well, this has, I mean, I could talk to you forever. Um, so <laughs> we'll probably have to do another, uh, another um, podcast as you kind of progress in, in your career and what you're yeah. doing, um, you know, and if, I mean, I typically don't give people's last names and stuff unless they're doing this work <laughs> and they want their name out there. So if you sure. want to share your information about how people, where you live, kind of how people could reach out to you and work with you, I'm, you're welcome to do that. Um, we would love to, I'm always, I'm always trying to multiply myself. I mean, there's, there's really honestly not enough people doing this work and there is, there's a need. I mean, we keep having babies. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, we do. (laughs) Well, so my name, my name is Megan Layoff. My website is Layoff Health and Wellness. uh, And I live in the greater Richmond, Virginia area. So if you're in central Virginia around Richmond, I would be happy to contact you. I do also do a one-on-one virtual training. So it's it's something that's come about in the COVID era, really. But it's personal training, but it's one-on-one online in front of our in front of our phones or in front of our webcams together as you know, using what you have in your home. Like you said. You you were really surprised and impressed with how much you could do in an online course, right? Like, yes, absolutely. There, there is this, this 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 feeling like I don't feel those muscles. I need somebody to help me. I get yes. that. I get that. Um, I also know that follow through, consistency, mm-hmm. carrying out a full pelvic floor PT program when you have to go in, pay a copay or pay yes. out of pocket because it's not in your plan. You have to find mm-hmm. childcare. You have to bring your kids with you. You have to do yes. all these things. You, very few people are consistent. And then they live in the shame mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't go. I should have done it. And, yeah. and sometimes this approach works better. And, yeah. and you can do it in the privacy of your own home. We build it into your everyday life. You don't mm-hmm. have to get a babysitter, you know, you, you can do this work. And, and, and I think that if there's one positive thing from the pandemic, that people did realize that they could get help virtually. And what that does is it, it opens up the ability to reach out to specialists that maybe are in your community, right? It gives people access to people that don't have a Megan in, in their area or don't have a yeah. Dean or a Beth Learn in their yeah. area. And it, it allows us to, to realize we can get help. Even if there isn't somebody, if I can't, I don't have a pelvic floor PT in my, ther- in my area or the one I went yeah. to wasn't a good fit for me, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and to recognize that. So I think that's a really great thing. And we will post all that information. I'll get that information from you and we'll post it in our podcast notes. So people will have the links to your site and, and mm-hmm. stuff. And we'll also post maybe some of your pictures. Um, if you'll yeah. share those with us, um, Absolutely. if there is, if you had to pick one thing that you e- either you wish you knew earlier or that you feel like you tell people all the time, one, one nugget of information, what would that you've learned kind of in your tummy team journey and in your personal journey, what would be that, that piece of information? It doesn't have to be that way. 
because everyone was telling me my body feeling this way, my body with these, these injuries, essentially from pregnancy and childbirth and trauma that are very much a part of most women in the United States uh, lives. I was told they were normal and that I should just get used to it and, or that it was vanity wanting my tummy to look different. I would just, I would say it doesn't have to be this way. And I have told people that so many times, like it can be healed. It's not surgery. Some people in very extreme cases need surgery, but most don't. And it doesn't have to be this way. And even the people that, that do need surgery need rehab with the surgery. Yes. I have a friend who had the repair surgery and she, oh, she was in rehab for about eight months afterward and she still doesn't feel great. But and yeah. she says, looking back now, she wished she had tried therapy first, but she didn't know it yes. existed. Right. So we're, we're spreading the word. It does exist yes. and doing some free prehab as well as yeah. rehab can set the stage for a better success in those extreme cases. But mm-hmm. I think that it's, it's a huge message to have out there that um, common and normal, not the same thing. Yeah. And yes. just because a medical professional, even a doctor, has told mm-hmm. you this cannot be fixed, does not mean it might mean that they don't. Murphy. <laughs> Murphy. He wants no. to chat. <laughs> yeah. It might mean that they simply don't know how to fix it. And that's where I've learned as as a professional myself to be very careful when I run into something that I'm not sure how to fix to not tell Mm -hmm. people it cannot be fixed just because I don't know how to fix it. So I think that's the thing is not everybody's a specialist in everything. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of stuff that I don't know that, oh, I didn't even know that could be fixed. I didn't even know, but I've learned that there might be a resource out there. And, and I think people are advocating for themselves a little bit more um, mm-hmm. and for options. And I think us getting the word out in any possible way. And, you know, this, this is going to be launched right before, right during our diastasis recti awareness month, which is the month awesome. of July, where we just, we just flood the internet yeah. with as much information about diastasis recti as we can. And we'd love for you to join and sharing yeah. that information because, uh, you know, education is power and we mm-hmm. don't know what we don't know. And once we know it, we can start moving forward. So I love that you just enthusiastically share your story. <laughs> um, a great story. And and I think it's also fair to say, you know, you did all this great thing and you still had this complication after birth mm-hmm. and you had tools to recover from it. You know, not yes. everything life kind of sometimes just throws us curveballs and we can mm-hmm. do all the right things and still have, you know, something happen that's that's scary and unpredictable. Mm-hmm. But there are still, even in those moments, we allow our body to heal and then we know Mm -hmm. what the next next best step is. We have those resources. And I love that you knew where to go. You weren't scared to go. (laughs) And yeah, yeah. and that you're sharing your journey. And I appreciate that so much. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It It was fun to chat with you. Yeah, 
super fun. All right, everybody, that is our episode for today. I hope you are encouraged and inspired, and we're going to share some um, some of her pictures and some of uh, the information about what Megan is doing, where she lives, and. You know, we would just love to hear your story. Maybe you have a tummy team journey story that you want to share. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the, the podcast. Look at what we're doing at thetummyteam.com. We would love to help you be strong for the life you are meant to live. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Tummy Team Journey podcast. To hear more inspiring stories, please subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. And of course, to find out more about all that we do, check out thetummyteam.com. We would love to help you be strong for the life you are meant to live.